In today's episode, I meet with Bryony Whittaker and Claire McKay. Both are event management academics at UE Bristol. We talk about festivals and what can be done to make them greener, including a deep dive into how festivals offer us the opportunity to make sense of environmental attitudes and how they can be changed. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Welcome to the Changemaker podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Watkins, and this week I am joined by two UWE Bristol academics, Bryony Whittaker and Claire McKay. They both have special interests in festivals and events and the sustainability in order to keep these events going. Welcome, guys. How are you both doing? Good, good, thank thank you. you. Lovely. So we're all quite avid festival goers and I would love to hear about your first festival experience. Claire, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, so that was a long time ago now. (laughs) Um, I think I was about 19, 20 maybe and that was at Teen the Park. Uh Um, Don't remember who I saw. uh, I've been quite a few times so it's all kind of merged into one now. I remember seeing Oasis there and Green Day. They were really good. Um, Star Sailor. Yeah, so lots of good years, good Lovely. times at Tina Park. And I'm guessing you've been to a lot of festivals since. Um, since then, I think I've probably, apart from kind of local festivals, mm-hmm. um, like food festivals, things like that, um, the other main music festival that I've been to is Boomtime Fair. Mm-hmm. So I went there in... 2018 to assess the sustainability of the festival for a greener future Mm -hmm. Uh, well previously a greener festival now rebranded a greener future and uh, then I went there the following year to conduct research for the festival's sustainability officer. Lovely and Bryony what about you? Oh, my first festival was Glastonbury. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I was 18 um, and me and my friends had just finished our A-levels and tickets hadn't sold out and it was end of May, June. Um, It was the year it was Jay-Z, so people were Mm. not happy that Jay-Z was there, Mm. but it was great. Um, So yeah, we got our tickets. It was, I can remember the price, it was £165. Nice. That that shows how long ago (laughs) it was. (laughs) A lot more now. (laughs) Times have changed. Yes. Um, so I first went to Glastonbury in 2016 and I now go as a volunteer litter picker. So you guys should enjoy my company because I go and clean the festival up. Um, so I was talking to one of the other um, volunteers one year and he was saying about how the amount of litter at the festivals does seem to have decreased. Um, so previously he would go and there'd be like stacks of beer cans on the lead up to all the bars. But now he says, that there's just not as much litter. I don't know whether that's to do with the amount of litter pickers or a general reduction. What do you think, Claire? I think that over the last maybe decade, I mean, I guess since kind of the 90s, there have been increasing efforts to try to improve the sustainability of events and festivals. And I think now event managers really do a lot to try to ensure that events are sustainable. And then on top of that, in recent years, attention has turned to 
how events managers can encourage festival goers um, to do their part mm-hmm. by engaging in pro-environmental behaviours. So I think really there has been a real shift, um, particularly if I think back, since you mentioned it, to Tea in the Park Mm -hmm. when I used to go there when I was very young. Um, You know, there really was a culture then of throwaway tents, whereas now I think actually a lot of festival goers really care Mm -hmm. about the site where the festivals are staged and have an attachment to the festival site and the festival and really want to do their part Mm -hmm. to be sustainable and um, I think we see that when you see festivals like Shambhala sharing photos of how clean the campsites are post-festival. So Bryony we've talked a bit about sort of littering and the impact of that on from festivals and events in general what are the other impacts from an event or from a festival on the environment? Um, so one of the concepts that we look at in um, our events management programs is the concept of the triple bottom line mm-hmm. so to do with um, sustainability so the environmental sustainability the social sustainability and the economic sustainability um, my focus is primarily on the environmental so um, it's things like how people are getting to festivals and you've got um, increasing number of Uh, interventions that festival organisers and sustainability um, officers are putting in place to encourage attendees to behave in particular sustainable ways. Um, So things like the um, recycling bonds that people add on, um, that's had an impact on the amount of recycling that's done um, and where people are, how people are travelling to the festival, so through putting on coaches. Um, Interestingly, though there are downsides to these Mm. sustainability interventions and sometimes they don't necessarily have the desired effect okay um i know from personal experience one year my friend trying to get a glastonbury ticket and um she was trying to get a ticket for the coach package where you buy the the coach ticket with your festival ticket um and you have to choose a specific location but bristol was sold out so everyone was looking for her for different cities Mm -hmm. so it would mean that she'd have to travel to the different city to then get a coach back to the festival Mm -hmm. so people are so desperate for the tickets that they're potentially traveling further away Mm -hmm. um so there there are all these sort of even though there are the sustainability interventions these measures in place um they're not necessarily working on absolutely everyone Mm -hmm. so those Mm -hmm. are the sorts of impacts we need to understand um Mm. how attendees think so Mm -hmm. brian you were talking about um individuals behavior and that ties in really well with your research that you've done Claire about um, festival goers and their behaviors do you want to talk a bit more about your research yeah so since 2019 my colleague Dr Ed Little and I have been conducting research on the themed music festival Boomtime Fair Um, so as I said previously given the recent shift in attention to trying to um determine how event managers can encourage festival goers to adopt more environmentally responsible behaviours. We've been looking at that in the context of Boomtime Fair. So um, in 2019, Boomtime Fair sought to communicate the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's warning that we need to take action to combat climate change before it's too late through the festival's alternate reality game. 
And the festival's alternate reality game is a bit like a treasure hunt. So festival goers visit different venues within the theme districts that comprise this four city of Boomtime that is constructed on site in the South Downs National Park for the festival. And they're engaged by street theatre actors who play the part of the characters or citizens of this city of Boomtime and ask them to complete different fun challenges. Um, And upon successful completion of these challenges, festival goers are given clues which they can then use to piece together what is happening in this city of Boomtown, so um, to understand the story of the city. Um, So my colleague and I sought to determine the extent to which Boomtown Fair's climate communication was effective. And we found that festival goers did receive Boomtown Fair's call to action um, through engaging with the alternate reality game. And that as a result, of attending the festival, festival goers reported that they wanted to engage in more pro-environmental behaviours. And we found, in addition to that, that festival goers were more likely to engage in pro-environmental behaviours if they did so in their everyday lives. So this means that the societal value that Boomtime Fair generated will pay dividends for the festival um, when festival goers return in future years. So as a result of that, this year we are conducting research on Boomtime Fair The Gathering, which took place in August. And we're looking at festival goers' environmentally responsible behaviours in their everyday lives. And in addition to that, we are looking at their environmental self-identity, so the extent to which they perceive themselves to be environmentally friendly. And we've looked at that in relation to... Sorry, what we find is that there is a strong and significant relationship between festival goers' environmental self-identity and their pro-environmental behaviour. So as a result, we've looked at festival goers environmental self-identity in relation to specific pro-environmental behaviours and we found that there's a strong and significant relationship between festival goers environmental self-identity and their purchasing behaviour. So this means that Boomtime Fair can leverage festival goers environmental self-identity to encourage them to make sustainable purchasing choices such as purchasing a tent that will last or choosing to shop in a charity shop or vintage store instead of buying into festival fast fashion or saying no to single-use plastic and glitter, for example. Mm -hmm. I can really relate to your work. Um, So I remember um, one year me and my best friend walking around Glastonbury, walking around... um, It was like an immersive experience where they tried to recreate what it would look like when there is, um, you know, all the forests have been completely, are completely, no, no, no longer exist. Um, And my friend just turned to me and said, we're leaving here vegan, aren't we? And I was like, oh, I think so. (laughs) Fast forward, she turned vegetarian. I'm now vegan. So, yeah, it worked. Oh, that's really interesting (laughs) to know that, you know, actually... uh, people do change their behaviour because obviously we know that there's an attitude behaviour gap Mm. and Mm -hmm. you know that that although people 
feel inspired, they might not actually do anything about it. So it's really interesting to know that actually they do. Yeah, it really worked on us, really worked. Um, Bryony, you've talked a lot about herd mentality and I imagine that is exactly what Claire has just explained. Do you mind talking more about what herd mentality means and what that means in terms of festival goers? Yes, so um, herd mentality is something that we see in wider events management in things like um, football when we have football hooligans and people who get caught up in the crowd, this mob mentality, um, and they behave in ways that they wouldn't necessarily behave in their daily life. So um, people engaging with violence, for example, in um, football matches. And there's loads and loads of research on that in events management literature. Um, But in a festival context, it can mean that attendees are following... uh, becoming part of this herd, part of this group, and they lose their sense of individuality, this de-individuation, and they're following um, other people's behaviours, whether it's subconscious um, or conscious uh, choices. Um, But this can have a a poor, a a negative impact on sustainability. Um, So if you see somebody leave their rubbish behind, um, they think, oh, that's okay for me to do it because I've seen somebody else do it. Um, So the attendees sort of group together as this herd and behave all in the same way which if the behaviors are good then that's a good thing Mm -hmm. but when they're not that's going to have the that's where the negative impacts um impacts come and that's when we see things like the overflowing bins instead of people holding on to rubbish and depositing it in a bin that has space people are just sort of putting it next to um next to the bins and then as soon as one person sees someone else has done that then everybody jumps in on it and um yeah so it's, it's all about uh how we can understand to unpick this herd mentality Mm. or to use herd mentality for good Mm -hmm. and to encourage people to actually follow positive behaviours rather than the negative ones. Definitely. And so as individuals, when we are going to festivals, what are the things that we should be doing for good (laughs) behaviours? Well, pro-environmental behaviours, good (laughs) behaviours. So it's things, I mean, the decision-making process behind going to a festival starts when you buy your ticket, which for Glastonbury is October the year before. So it's, you know, people have a long, potentially have a long time to think about um, which festivals they're going along to. Um, And things like purchasing, like Claire mentioned, buying a tent that lasts. It's how we can encourage people um, to, to invest in, camping equipment that they're going to reuse for festivals um, or consider how they're going to get to the festival if they're going to use public transport um, and understanding the options available but it's, it's how can we target people not necessarily when they're just at the festival but from those very initial stages where they suddenly decide to go to the festival and um, because that's when the choices are going to start um, being made. Hmm. Um, and Bryony, you've also talked about how when people go to festivals, they're actually able to try out different things that maybe they don't in their home life. And I guess that can mean <coughs> environmentally positive behaviours. Yes. So um, typically we at festivals, you see people behaving in ways that they don't normally do. Part of the herd mentality. So things like having a drink in the queue in the morning mm-hmm. people don't normally do that in their daily life <laughs> um but it's an accepted it's accepted behaviors at, at festivals it's sort of this little um you know this festival society this community where these things are okay um but they're very, they're very temporary there are um, academic studies that have used uh, festivals as a way to trial interventions for longer 
term change outside of the festival um so like your your research looking at if the festivals can affect change in in people's behaviors environmentally um we can use festivals as a way to sort of trial interventions on a in a concentrated time period and in a concentrated environment um sort of a, a loca- smaller location um so there have been studies that look at reduced water usage so when we're at festivals we don't have access to showers as much as we do um, when we're at home so how can we encourage people to how can we get people to see that they don't need to use as much water they are managing to survive um for example uh with you know with this reduced water usage so how can we how can we try all those interventions on a festival site um yeah Hmm. and um Claire, I'm just interested to know about how how you're following up the people that you're going to be interviewing at the festival um, so that you know that somebody has made the change into a longer term life decision. Are you following up sort of just when they're at the festival or are you trying to get data later down the line? So our 2019 research focused on... um, people's attitudes rather than their Mm. behaviours really Mm -hmm. Um, so our current study sought to try to address the attitude behaviour gap um, by conducting a three-phase study so we gathered data from festival goers before they attended the festival um, to try to kind of establish like a baseline of of what their environmentally responsible behaviours are in their everyday lives And then we surveyed them again post-festival and then six months post-festival. The idea being that um, we wanted to see, you know, in the first instance, was there a change between pre and post-festival? And then, you know, if there was, was that change sustained Mm. in the long term? Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you guys embed sustainability into your programmes at UE Bristol? Oh, do you want to go first? I can do, yeah. So, um, as you know, as we've kind of discussed, or as is clear from what we said so far, it's really important that our students understand how to mitigate the negative impacts and legacies of events and maximise the positive impacts and legacies of events. So, through our through studying our MSc events management program and and on the undergraduate program, I'm sure that Bryony leads as well. Um, our students learn this, and they also learn how to mon- monitor and evaluate the impacts of events, um, which is really important for ensuring that sustainability objectives are achieved and for measuring year on year improvement as part of a process of continuous improvement. Um, Bryony and I are also assessors for the international not-for-profit organisation A Greener Future, which helps events to be more sustainable. And I've recently written a book chapter on my experience as an assessor, which has just been published in a new book titled uh, Cases in Event Management and Tourism. And... The aim of that chapter is to help students learn about the impacts of events and to provide students with the opportunity to adopt the role of a sustainability officer for a hypothetical festival and set sustainability objectives, strategically plan how they will enhance the sustainability of the festival as well as planning how they will evaluate their success as part of a process of continuous improvement. 
Um, in addition, our students have the opportunity to put their learning into practice by strategically designing, planning, marketing, staging and evaluating um, a live sustainable event. Um, so, for example, our students have just recently staged their events and one group raised over £1,000 for Bristol Pride, which was great. Um, so one of the aims of the MSc in events management is to cultivate graduates that are globally conscious, strategic and reflective events professionals. And in addition to drawing on our experience in practice and you know in current industry best practice we also draw on our research which I've, I've discussed previously um, so that informs the the curriculum as well. Um, so Bryony can you tell me more about your research and how that affects your teaching? Um, so my research is looking at um, attendees and how we can encourage pro-environmental behaviours. Um, in the past, I've gone to festivals like Glastonbury and Shambhala, and we've collected data looking at people's attitudes towards particular sustainability interventions. For example, whether they've heard of them, um, if they have made use of them, um, and what they, you know, how could we improve upon sustainability interventions? Um, this, my, I'm currently doing a PhD, and my PhD research is sort of taking it a little bit of a step back and actually trying to understand what attendees, what their attitudes and values are towards sustainability when they're inside the festival. Um, so typically, um, younger people are more likely in daily life to have an, more of an awareness around sustainability, and um, st statistically studies have shown that they're you know, more likely to purchase fair trade food or um, sustainable products. But then when we go and look at festivals, it's typically a younger demographic that are the ones that are leaving the waste behind. So why is it that that changes? Why, what, what is this, what's this difference from being on a festival site that makes makes a change um, for people to behave in these ways? Littering is illegal, so why is it something that's happening and something that's accepted amongst people in their herd? Um why is that an accepted behaviour? So my research is going to be um, looking at, um, I'm going to be observing people at festivals and um, conducting interviews and just asking people what their values are towards sustainability whilst they're actually inside the festival so that we can try and um, design interventions that target people based on their values rather than demographically. So why... If, you know, to see if that makes a difference rather than targeting people based on their location, for example, what campsite they're in. Um, because one size fits all doesn't work for interventions. Um, just using a broader example, um, the a social marketing campaign like the Stoptober or Sober October um, to stop smoking and drinking, those campaigns, if one intervention if one campaign worked for everybody then nobody would smoke nobody would drink um, so we need to make sure that we're understanding what people's values are so it's sort of taking that idea and putting it in a festival context to try and um, elicit this behavior change to encourage people to behave in a more environmentally friendly way um, how that links into teaching um, 
because Claire and I are, are research active, it means that our teaching is always up to date and that we are um, constantly updating our materials based on research that we're doing each year. Um, and it means that we can take students along with us um, to collect data, which is always really fun. Um, but yeah. Amazing way to get to go to festivals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Claire, what's next for you? Um, so we are hoping to have the MSc in Events Management accredited by A Greener Future to highlight the fact that our teaching is aligned to international industry best practice for sustainable event management. Um, so that's kind of what's next for me from a programme perspective. And um, with regards to what's next in terms of research, I am just about to commence an evaluation of an industry mentoring scheme that I set up for our MSc events management students this year. Um, so I'll be doing that along with my colleague, Dr. Ed Little and our colleague, Stella Warren. Um, and then Dr. Ed Little and I are hoping to start a new research project which falls under the social sphere of sustainability. How can listeners get involved? How can they reduce their impact when they're going along to events, Claire? Um, so I think, like Bryony said before, thinking in advance um, about what you need and, you know, not taking anything with you that you don't need, that, you know, you might be tempted to leave behind, um, making sure that you don't take along things with you that are not biodegradable, making sure you take a reusable water bottle. What are the weirder things that everybody's seen left behind at a festival? I've seen a sofa. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I do quite like on the Monday morning where you see people who go and collect stuff. Yeah. Collect it up. Forage. Yeah, forage, that's the <laughs> word. When they go and pick up all the stuff they need for the next year. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to reduce your impact, you know. Oh, a sofa. I've seen a lot of wigs. Yeah. Wigs are a popular one to leave behind. I don't uh -huh. think people want to wear their festival wigs again <laughs> after that. Um, oh, I can't think. No, I think wigs is definitely wigs the weirdest one. one. Yeah. yeah. So, Claire, how can listeners do their bit? Reduce, reuse, recycle. So um, I think by asking yourself, do I really need this um, when thinking about making a purchase? And if you do really need something, considering whether you can purchase it in a second hand shop or vintage um, rather than purchasing new and feeding consumer capitalism. And, you know, if you do need to purchase something new, considering buying something good quality that will last or purchasing from an ethical brand so a lot of brands now are promoting the sustainability of their products um, through the product life cycle so from the raw materials used to produce the product right through to end of life and recycling and on top of that there are a lot there are a lot of sustainability certifications now that um, validate the sustainability credentials of products so it's good to look out for those when you're making purchases as well um, have you got anything to add to that um, I think in terms of what people can do to sort of help um, encourage sustainable behaviors is um, communicate with you know, festival organisers communicate with academics who are researching in the area. One of the most, you know, I'm going to be interviewing people. That's key. We want to know what works and we want to know what doesn't work. Um, so, you know, be willing to communicate and also be open minded to changing behaviours. I think sometimes people get into habits. Um, we see things through, we see things 
people um, making the same decisions every time they go back to festivals, like which campsite they're going to be staying at. Everyone typically goes back to the same campsite because they want to repeat the, the positive experience that they had the year before. So it's just being open-minded to maybe new habits um, that would be different from your old ones but might make a massive impact if everybody makes that that change um so yeah being open-minded to change and um communicating okay. and That's just following good. on from what Bryony said there um i listened to your ted talk earlier today charlotte and i think you made a really good point about um just kind of making gradual change mm-hmm. and doing what you can so i mean for example we know that a plant-based diet is better for the environment but I think, you know, people don't necessarily need to go vegan overnight, but, you know, can start having a positive impact by gradually reducing the amount of meat that they eat, for example. Yeah, that's a really good point. I definitely didn't go vegan overnight. Um, vegetarian first, then vegan. Um, I agree with you. If we all just reduce our impact a small amount, even if it's, you know, cycling somewhere where we'd normally drive, overall, collectively, we're making a positive change. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I've had a wonderful time hearing all about your research and how you're getting your students involved in the exciting projects. Thank you so much for coming along. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you. Next week, I'm excited to be welcoming back Dr. Verity Jones. This time around, we're going to be talking about fashion and fast fashion, the impact of the fashion industry, and how we can support sustainable fashion to reduce our impact. I hope you can join me.